Welcome to Under the Bleachers. This is a podcast that explores all things sports, all things queer, and the fabulous intersection where queer and sports meet. This podcast is brought to you by Team DC, the nonprofit association of LGBTQ plus sports and recreation organizations in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Laura. I'm the vice president of Team DC, and I've played and loved sports my whole life. I've played with Team DC member clubs, the DC Furies Women's Rugby Club, and Rogue Darts. And I'm Gabe. I'm also on the board of Team DC, and I'm a diehard sports fan. I've played with many of the Team DC member clubs, including the DC Gay Flag Football League, Kara Bowling, Stonewall Kickball, Rogue Darts, and the Washington Scandals Rugby Football Club. I'm also a member of the DC Different Drummers, and I do a little bit of drag on the side. We hope you enjoy this week's trip under the bleachers. Welcome everyone, Laura and Gabe here. It's October 11th and you are listening to Under the Bleachers. Happy National Coming Out Day, AKA my birthday. On this podcast, we take turns and this week it's Gabe's turn to choose our topics. For our discussion of all things queer, he chose Brent Rockman's Playboy debut. For our conversation on all things sports, we're talking about the MLB playoffs. And for our topic at the intersection of sports and queer, we're talking about the Michigan Marching Band's Halftime Queer Spectacular. After that, we're going to share our interview with Team DC Member Club, the Federal Triangle Soccer Club. First, a quick update on Team DC. Challenge Cup 3 has been scheduled and and is an in-person event, which will be held on Saturday, November 20th at Pitchers. We'll be back with a fun-filled day of team competition in trivia, beer pong, darts, flip cup, and more. Start forming your team now and stay tuned for more details. And be sure to follow Team DC and its member clubs on social media for updates. Find Team DC on Facebook at Team DC LGBT and on Twitter and Instagram at Team DC Sports. Gabe and I will be bringing you new episodes of Under the Bleachers every Monday at underthebleachers.podbean.com on Apple Podcasts and on Google Podcasts. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Taking the extra few seconds to hit those buttons or type a quick review means a lot. Helps us get the word out. So please do it. And share us with a friend or two if you know people that would be interested in listening in. With that, here's Gabe with our first topic in this week's trip under the bleachers. All right, first up, our queer topic. Playboy. Yes, playboy, not playgirl. On October 1st, Bretman Rock became the first openly gay male to be featured solo on the cover of Playboy magazine. The 23-year-old YouTube sensation and social media influencer was featured on the cover of the now digital magazine in lingerie, platform heels, a bow tie, and the signature bunny ears. Bretman posted on Instagram, for Playboy to have a male on the cover is a huge deal for the LGBT community, for my brown community, and it's all so surreal. It's a total, is this even fucking happening right now type of vibe, and I'm so pretty. Playboy stated that Rock joins Kate Moss, Dolly Parton, and Kylie Jenner for wearing the legendary Playboy bunny suit. Rock is also the third male to be featured on the cover after the magazine's founder, Hugh Hefner, and LGBTQ ally, Bad Bunny. Rock has been making waves as a stylist and influencer since 2015. He previously started on MTV's following Brentman Rock, and walked the runway in Aaliyah's dress as a tribute in September at the VMAs. Rock's cover has received mostly positive reviews. Of course, there are some naysayers that have said Playboy has gone woke and will go broke. Either way, good for Playboy and way to go, Brentman. Continue being fabulous and pushing boundaries. All right, Laura, have you seen the videos and the pictures, and what do you think about 
uh, a male play uh, playmate? seen them i think they're very pretty pictures i'm not sure why i care about I, I i'm not sure i do care about this like i don't read playboy and i have a hard time believing that the target audience of playboy is going to be super excited about these pictures so it seems like a strange choice to me but obviously like i'm all for you know lgbtq representation i don't know do you read playboy um well i've seen some of the articles kind of popping up now because you know they changed their model First, they kind of got rid of all the nudity and stuff like that, went back to like some journalism and, and doing some actual articles and stuff. And then because of COVID, they completely stopped doing their print model. So right. I think they're probably changing, you know, their target audience or trying to like update what the Playboy brand is, I guess. Uh, and so they're starting to feature more men. Um, and it was just, I mean, it was interesting to see that, yeah, for uh, October which is also Filipino Heritage Month. Uh, they picked a queer Filipino from Hawaii to feature as their, I guess, cover model. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I mean, that's cool. And I thought the pictures were really nice. I mean, he's a, he's a really like good looking guy. He looks like he's done a lot of modeling and uh, they obviously took some really cool photos of him and had some really cool outfits for him. So, you know, it's a really nice photo shoot. I just think the whole thing is like, okay, I guess I never thought of Playboy as like a boundary that needed pushing. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but like, okay. I mean, again, like I, I, mean, I guess I'm just not super, stoked about this but i also am like good for him if that's what he wanted to do and in the articles it says this is something that's been like a goal of his so good for him yeah it's been it, it, it's been interesting to see that uh again you get like the conservative news radio saying oh no now the liberals have woke playboy and now it's broken and yada 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 yeah, well, it's... are these conservatives supposed to be looking at playboy <laughs> like what are they even talking about they're not allowed to look at nudity Almost, almost every article or like some like video that I've seen, they're like, well, I remember when I used to sneak and find my older brother's playboys hidden underneath the bed. And I remember mm -hmm. the good old days. I'm like, really? Yeah, the good old days when they used to masturbate to uh, women's boobs in their brother's room. Like, what are they talking about? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I just... I, I don't know. I got. I have. I have uh, nowhere to go with this. I'm fine with it. I think it's great. I think anything that gets those guys' panties in a knot is fun for me, because <laughs> they're so hypocritical and so ridiculous. Um, let them complain about it. But you know, if there was a naked woman on the cover, they'd be complaining about that too, right? Because it's like not safe for their boys to see naked women. I don't know. Well, I don't I, yeah, I don't think they care about the boys. I think they care about, you know, their, their daughters or caring about, you know, like. Yeah. Right. I forgot they're all fathers of daughters. <laughs> it's the good old boys, remember? They, the boys can do whatever they want. I also um, what didn't know that Dolly Parton was on Playboy, and that makes me want to see that. Yeah. yeah, Dolly Parton was on the cover, I believe, and she wore the full-on bunny outfit. Yeah, not not everybody has worn the bunny outfit. That was kind of the big deal like thing, too. Um, but I mean, Playboy has always kind of been known to kind of uh, causing, you know, cause some shocking things going on. So maybe this is one of their things like, oh, let's see what else we can do. Yeah, more power. I, to mean, them. I mean, if they're trying to broaden their target audience to includes gay men. Um, OK, 
(laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm all for it, but you know, it's like, I guess, and I haven't checked out Playboy and maybe they, maybe like you said, they've just gotten away from a lot of the explicit content. So now it's trying to be, you know, the magazine more palatable for everyone. Um, But it does seem to me that if you're going to focus on explicit content, like switching back and forth between which audience you're aiming for probably doesn't gain you a consistent audience. I don't know. It's just all a very weird concept to me. But yay for this guy for achieving one of his goals. Yay for him for having such great skin. And uh, (laughs) And looking great in lingerie and heels. Yeah, and good on Playboy for, you know, being cool with queer people, being part of their magazine. What's going on in sports, Gabe? (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on to my sports topic. It's October, the second highest gay holy month, and the start of Major League Baseball postseason play. The MLB has announced that they will be returning to their pre-COVID structure. The top three teams from each league's division, plus two wildcard teams, will battle it out for a chance at the World Series. The Red Sox beat the Yankees in wildcard play and will take on number one Tampa Bay in the American League Division Series. Uh, the Houston Astros will play the Chicago White Sox for a spot in the League Championship Series, and hopefully the fans will stop punching each other in the stands. Houston currently leads 2-0 as of today uh, when we're filming this or taping this. Over on the National League, the LA Dodgers beat the St. Louis Cardinals and will play the San Francisco Giants, and the Milwaukee Brewers will play the Atlanta Braves. Many fans were surprised how well the Giants finished the 2021 season, and predictions are all over the place. But we all can agree the rivalry between L.A. and San Francisco is adding a special kind of drama to the postseason baseball. Vegas odds are betting on an Astros versus Dodgers World Series with the Dodgers taking the pennant. All right, since the Mets and the Nationals didn't make the playoffs, who are you rooting for? Well, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I'm rooting for the two California teams. I'm rooting for both LA and San Francisco. They're playing each other <laughs> like <laughs> uh, now, so it makes it a little difficult. But a little like, harder now that it's set, you know. But I kind of like. I over. want one of. I would like to see one of them go and win the World Series. I. I mean, Tampa Bay is obviously like the team to beat right now, but I'm just not that interested in them. So I think like if I had to pick a team from that side, I would pick the White Sox. Uh, Which are but, losing yeah, right now. They're I probably never going to make mean, it. I mean, they're, they're, I saw, I saw like, yeah, I caught a little bit of game two against Houston and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I think Houston's going to take it all on their side, but I don't know. Are they still cheating? What's going on? I am still, I I am heartbroken because I grew up an Astros fan. And then after the whole like trash can fiasco, I'm like, do we trust them? You got to let that go, man. I can't, I can't. You can't hang on to it forever. They're probably doing something else. I don't know, banging on like bats or helmets or something. (laughs) I Listen, I don't, I don't know that I would get so confident about a couple of years ago, I don't know if it was the Astrodome or is there a Minute Maid where they were talking about like the air conditioning was apparently affecting the ball. Affecting. Okay. Yeah, there's always something going on in Houston. Well, listen, if I were you, I wouldn't get so cocky about Houston's chances of beating Tampa Bay to go <laughs> in order to, and they're going to have, you know, I think they're going to have to if they want to make it to the World Series. So, yeah. You know, there's a, I mean, there's obviously still a lot of baseball to play. I'll be, ha- I'll be pretty happy as long as the Atlanta Braves don't win a World Series. <laughs> that'll be the end of it for me. 
but yay for playoff baseball because who doesn't love the drama of a seven game playoff series? Hopefully it's someone, this is, this is me being petty. Uh, it, it's two teams that are in central time. So we don't have to wait for like a California game and like watch it until like two in the morning or something. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's always a, that's always a problem. <laughs> but they also tend to play some afternoon games when they play playoff games on the West coast, which could be interesting. Yeah. Well, Uh, like today, the, the game, the, the Astros game was this afternoon. Yeah. That was interesting. I just had playing on when I was like working. Yeah. They do that sometimes in the playoffs. And I think it's so weird because you would think that that's when they would want to like get their most fans watching, but you know, MLB is weird. It is. All right. So you're going for California. Yeah, I really like I really liked the Dodgers this year. Like I just thought they were a really talented team and fun to watch all year. And then the Giants came on so hot at the end and at got the really end, fun. Yeah. So I so yeah, I guess those are the two teams I'm kind of rooting for at this point. Do you want to make a prediction? Anyone? I mean, I think the last time we talked about this, I think I picked the Giants. Yeah, but I, I can't remember. But that, I, I mean, so I don't know. I, I'm saying, ask me when the LA San Francisco series is over. <laughs> Whoever wins that, that's who I'm taking. That's the horse I'm riding all the way okay, to so the that's, World Series. That's the winner. Okay, so we'll probably what next week we'll come back to the we'll table this <laughs> and I'll get the answer for next week. I mean, what about you? Like putting aside your sort of affection for the Astros, what's your gut on who's going to come out on top? Um, I will probably say the Giants. I, I think it's gonna be Giants and um Houston. All right for the World Series. Well, I think it's Giants. And, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll keep watching baseball. Everyone it is the best time of year for baseball, even though the Mets aren't playing, which makes it very strange. <laughs> <laughs> How can the best time of year be going on without the best team in baseball? It makes no sense, honestly. <laughs> Somebody screwed up something in the scheduling, but. It happens, and uh, yeah. Keep I'm also going. trying to, yeah, and, and, and on football, I'm still trying to figure out what a waiver is. Everyone on my team is hurt, and there's a whole <laughs> bunch of Qs and Os in my fantasy football, and I don't know um, what that means. Well, the Q is questionable, and the O is out, so you're going to want to not have any Os in your starting lineup. So I should try to get all of them off. Yeah, and I'm, I fell, I, I was second place for the longest time, and now I'm down to seven. Okay, nothing could be the longest time. It's only week four of the season. Well, for the longest time, I was number two. And Meaning I, we, for uh, two weeks? Yeah. It, hey, <laughs> it's a long time. All right. And then I had to All change right. my name. Well, was, I changed my name. out. So if you leave him in your starting lineup, you're not going to win a game. Yeah, my friend, uh, her team name was uh, Fancy Like Applebee's. So I changed my name to I Want My Baby Back, Baby Back. And we had this whole like Chili's Applebee's bet. You got your um, ass kicked, didn't you? I did, and now I owe her a blooming onion, which is from Outback, but still. Yeah, sure is. How does that have anything to do with chilies? Well, we we have to go to Virginia for that, so it's going to be a special trip to Virginia. <laughs> All right. Well, I wish you better luck. Please remember to not play injured players in your starting <laughs> lineup. <laughs> what is happening at the intersection of sports and queer? All right. For this week's topic at the intersection of sports and queer, The Michigan Band, the official marching band of the University of Michigan, took the field and honored the 50th anniversary of the Spectrum Center, the first LGBTQ space to be formed on a college campus. 
Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago, an alumna of Michigan, announced the halftime show in a special video the day before the performance. Span played a variety of queer music spanning the decades that included some club bops and the theme from the Golden Girls. The band created different queer symbols on the field, teased the performance on social media, and shared videos of, the, of band members creating a rainbow on the field. As a band nerd, I thought it was cute. It was a cute concept, and it was awesome to see uh, 106,943 fans witnessed the show and the band's MC announced their support for the LGBTQ plus community, especially because this was a halftime performance of Michigan's homecoming game, uh, which is one of the, the, the most watched games in college football. All right, Laura. So did you see the performance? It's been going all over social media. All the band nerds have been going nuts, especially all the queer band nerds. Uh, did he catch their halftime show? No. What? I'm not a, I, you know, I'm not a band nerd. Just going to put it out there. I played the flute and it was like torture for me. I wanted to quit. I should have made you watch it before we recorded. Uh, you know, I might go it check cute. it out, but it was listen, really cute. I'm sure it was really cute. I, no, I'm just kidding. Look, I'm sure it was really cute. I, listen, if you are devoted enough to band that you continue to do it all through your college instead of just being drunk all the time like I was, <laughs> then I bet you are super talented and a lot of fun to watch. Um, and I actually do enjoy marching bands. I joke. Like, marching bands, I think, are pretty cool like to watch. I honestly don't love sound of marching bands when they try to play like hip hop music or like club music it always just sounds like painful to me to listen to a trumpet like blaring out like hip-hop beats it just isn't right um but you know but whatever like just because I'm not like into marching band music doesn't mean I don't think this is a really cool concept and like obviously it's great that they decided to commemorate the anniversary of the Spectrum Center and you know it's great that Chicago has a gay mayor who was interested in promoting this um yeah and i will check it out now that you tell me that they played the theme from the golden girls I, yeah I, I, I gotta check it out I gotta it, check it starts it. off with like we are family no i'm coming out and it goes into we are family then gaga gets thrown in and then like they create the the, the golden girls like i guess it's not the opening but it was like they spell out friends and there was like a palm tree i mean it was it was interesting they were clearly going for every single like gay idea that they could and just threw it on the field really was Dorothy in there? Yes, they did. There was a little snippet of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Yeah, oh, they okay. threw it all in. They, they made a lambda all. sign. They made an equal sign. There was hearts everywhere. Yeah, you got to check it out. I will check it out. It sounds really great. <laughs> I didn't know that it was Michigan's homecoming game already. This Everything seems to be happening earlier and earlier in the year. Early and early. Yeah, it was against Rutgers. And then uh, I thought it was interesting, too, that, okay, if, <laughs> it's the oldest, the Spectrum Center is the oldest LGBT Q plus center in any college campus, uh, Michigan of all places, Ann Arbor. Hmm. Hey, I don't know. I'll take it. Even though uh, I got to go back to the picture where Laura's holding a sign that says Ann, Ar Ann Arbor's a whore. Uh, <laughs> hey, don't go telling everybody about my secrets. That was during the off season. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Laura hates Ann Arbor. I don't hate Ann Arbor. I don't hate the University of Michigan. Certainly don't hate somewhere on, over the rainbow. I am all for all of this and uh, I will check it out. I will post the video on our Facebook page so that everybody can go watch. Yes. Awesome. All right. 
All right, that's this week's Under the Bleachers Roundup of things queer, things sports, and things at the intersection of sports and queer. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll share our interview with Team DC member club, the Federal Triangle Soccer Club. Welcome back to Under the Bleachers. Today we have Craig Williams and Colleen Lolly from the Federal Triangle Soccer Club. Uh, welcome to Under the Bleachers. How are y'all doing today? Happy to be doing, here. Doing great. Awesome. So for those of... Uh, our listeners who really don't know about the Federal Triangles, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Who are the Federal Triangle Soccer Club? Triangle Soccer Club is an incredible co-ed soccer organization that was started back in 1990. Um, and they used to have pickup games near the Federal Triangles Metro Station, which is where the name originated from. Uh, however, it, uh, it's an incredible group that essentially is just trying to create a safe space for players that might not have that opportunity elsewhere. Um, has men's teams, women's teams, co-ed teams. We do uh, indoor tournaments, outdoor co-ed tournaments, um, just tons of soccer playing opportunities and really just a family of incredible diverse people who are, are welcoming of everybody. Um, you know, the, the, whether it's the LGBTQIA population or it's allies, it, it's open to everyone. Awesome. Um, do you play like a league style where different teams from DC play against each other, or is it one, you know, sort of big team that goes and competes elsewhere? It's a little bit of both actually. Um, so through the fall and the spring are kind of our, our, um, our uh, seasons of men's and women's where the women generally play on Saturdays, the men generally play on Sundays, and it's a little more hierarchical where we have our first division teams, second division teams, third division teams. And um, we put together teams that play in predominantly straight leagues, but our teams are mostly LGBTQ uh, identifying. Um, we do have our own leagues. We have a, a summer league, we call it Summer Freedom, that is meant to bring all aspects of our club together. It's um, co-ed, so it's about two thirds male and one third female identifying players. Um, and it's all ages and everyone shifts around every year. So you get to know everybody on all the different teams uh, each, each year you're playing. Um, we have a Wednesday upper division um, men's league as well. That's 45 players on five teams. It's a five V five league. Um, so yeah, we, we try to make sure that there's room for everyone to play. And then we do a co-ed, a, um, a, a pickup game. We do a pickup game uh, every Sunday morning down on the mall. And that's continued since, as Colleen stated earlier, since the beginning of our club. Cool. So there's room for inexperienced participants. Like, I, I love to watch soccer, um, but I suck at it. So <laughs> is there room? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we have a niche niche for everyone out there. Um, you know, for the less uh, experienced players, we might say start down on the the, the pickup at the the mall. But we have our casual um, rec 
leagues that play on Sundays as well or Saturdays, you know, with the women. And anyone who wants to join a team, there's room for them, uh, regardless of your ability. Um, so we encourage everyone to come out. Cool. Do you have um, coaches that can teach Gabe how to dribble a soccer ball? <laughs> <clears throat> we do have some very friendly uh, teammates that will help out and including with the pickup opportunities. So typically when we're emailing with a new player and, and trying to connect them with either the appropriate team or a pickup opportunity, whatever fits both their skill level and their schedule. Um, we usually, if it's, if it's pickup, we're connecting you with a person as well so that you've got a friendly face, somebody that you've already chatted with um, before you arrive and, and kind of getting that help along. And, and I must say, you know, I want to give a shout out to the guys of FTSC because um, as a female that was coming into this, I was always rather frustrated with co-ed games and frustrated with, you know, our, our men not passing, kind of dominating the field. And I cannot emphasize enough how incredible our guys with FTSC are, how welcoming they are, how much they truly see everybody as an equal member on the field. And I, and I really appreciate that. And, and um, you know, Craig, especially, he, he's been an incredible member since the start. Um, he helped get the women's tournament going by finding the location that could host it years ago um, when we got that off the ground. So it's, it's truly you know, a collaborative community that's just out to support everybody. Um, but I really, as a co-ed organization, and we are, I believe this is still accurate, we are the largest co-ed LGBTQIA organization, soccer organization uh, in the United States currently. Um, and that's a tribute to how welcoming our men are with FTSC. Thanks for the kind words, Colleen. <laughs> Cool. So what type of activities or events does the uh, FTSC regularly host, um, you know, on and off the pitch? Well, we do um, like a monthly pickup as well, too, on Friday evenings. On the, the last uh, Friday of every month, we, we actually encourage any new players to come out for that. We, it, it gets a good cross section of the club. So, um, you know, you'll find someone that you'll get along with there and who can point you in the right direction as far as the rest of the club activities go. Um, that turns into a nice social after the, the, the pickup game. Um, generally, most of our off-field uh, off activities revolve around, you know, going out after games. Um, we do a nice spring and a fall potluck um, like a picnic in the spring, fall is around Thanksgiving. Um, you know, we, we work on the United Night Out with Team DC. Um, and then, you know, we do a few other charitable activities every now and then as well, whether it's, uh, you know, food deliveries for food and friends or, or, or activities like that. Um, but yeah, most of our activities actually do revolve around soccer. To be expected, but that does sound like a lot of fun. Um, I understand that um, the Federal Triangles are going to be participating in hosting the 2022 International Gay and Lesbian Football Association Championships. Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about what 
you know, what that is and what people can expect? Yeah, so um, the IGLFA generally hosts a world championship every year, or they at least try to. Um, we had been planning on bidding for the 2021 games, um, and we had our whole team formed. We had our first organizational meeting. We had a site visit from the governing body. And then, of course, the pandemic broke out, and we didn't know what to do. We just essentially canceled the whole thing. Um, but the other part of this is that the Hong Kong gay games were set to be held in, in well, obviously Hong Kong next year. Um, and there were a number of issues with the planning of that. Uh, and generally the IGLFA uh, it sanctions their soccer tournament. Um, so the world championships are usually held at the gay games whenever there are gay games. Um, but when they looked at Hong Kong and didn't like what they see, they began looking at alternatives. And we put out some emails to our team seeing if people were still interested in doing it and got a really good feedback um, and decided, yeah, let's, let's do this. So we put in a bid for it. Um, There's another bid from the Sydney uh, Rangers and um, we decided, well, Iglifa decided that uh, both bids were solid and we bid on a seven, seven v seven tournament. They bid on a seven, on an 11 v 11 tournament. There were eight months between the tournaments. And so, we're, we're now seeing it as two sides of one coin. We're hosting the uh, 7v7 World Championships next June, and then Sydney will host the 11v11 Championships the following uh, February. So now we were at this point where we have a whole lot of work to do. Rather than uh, a year and a half of lead time before the tournament, we're now uh, working on, you know, nine months. Uh, and so we're trying to get our, our uh, registration site open, get everything ready for it. So we're kind of building the plane as it's taking off. And <laughs> we're still hoping to open our registration on October 1st. Uh, and the tournament will be next June. Uh, we're doing it in the run up to uh, Pride Week. So, um, you know, Pride is scheduled for the weekend of June 11th and 12th. We'll be running our tournament the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the 7th, what is it, the 8th, 9th, and 10th. And then the finals will be on Saturday, just prior to the big pride parade. So we're really hoping to get some, uh, some uh, uh, you know, people from the community to come out and support the event. And then, you know, everyone will be out at the festival on, on, on Sunday. So we're trying to really, you know, make it a big event. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. How many teams usually uh, participate in the World Championships? Well, 
it varies pretty tremendously. We hosted the tournament back in 2009, the last time. Um, we ended up with, I believe it was 23 teams. That was an 11 v 11 uh, tournament. So, you know, the teams are roughly twice the size, you know, when you consider subs as uh, substitutes, um, the teams are roughly twice the size for an 11 v 11 tournament as they are for a seven v seven tournament. So, um, you know, with that, we had 23 teams uh, in, in the gay games in 2018 in Paris. It was a lot bigger. I think we had something like, I don't know, I guess about 50 teams or so um, wow. in total. Um, we're hoping, you know, for something like 50, 77 teams, 60, we'll say, um, across both genders we're, we're, we're really trying to push uh, to have a really successful women's tournament as well. Um, a lot of the work that Colleen has done in, um, in putting the, the, back, the backbone of our women's tournament that we've run, a lot of that, that support that she's put together, we're, we're hoping to um, use to, to, to turn this into a really successful tournament as well. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds really great. Where will the games be played? Uh, they will all be at uh, the RFK fields. Um, there's a new park down there right in the shadow of the stadium. There's um, three really large fields, which we can divide each of those into 12 or into four 77 uh, fields on each field. Um, and uh, then our finals, we're hoping to do a little bit closer to the downtown area, closer to the parade. Um, so, you know, right now, I think we're looking at Mary Reed uh, Elementary School, because um, they have a real nice stadium aspect um, of it, and it's the right dimensions. Cool. Sounds fun. Yeah, some exciting news that's coming up in D.C. Um, so can you share some personal stories about the impact of how the Federal Triangles has impacted your life? Um, whether, you know, it could be whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'd be happy to jump in. Um, the You know, FTSC was a huge uh, salvation for myself. When I first moved here uh, in 2000, trying to, you know, acclimate with my career, people at work, um, and then finding a soccer team to play with, it was easy to find a team to play with. It was not easy to find a team that I could bring a girlfriend to a game for, um, or even just talk openly about like, oh, what did you do the night before? Like, oh, well, you know, at that time, and, I, and I'm definitely dating myself, but, you know, hey, we went out to the hung jury. Anybody want to come? Um, I mean, that's, you know, or, or you know, any of the, the many great places out there were to go dancing to but uh you, know, you couldn't mention that and if you did um and and as I did you know we were approaching I can very specifically remember I was playing on a soccer team with some colleagues and it was in the Fairfax Women's Soccer League and um sorry right it was in the Washington area Women's Soccer League and we went out and a team that we were approaching looked like perhaps maybe they had some some people who were family on the roster Right. And immediately my teammates started making comments about them and make it. And they I'm guessing and that was a wake up call to me that they didn't realize that I was gay. 
Um, and they just started bashing the other team. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done. This, this is ridiculous. Um, you know, and, and I was so frustrated at that point because I'm like, this was supposed to be like the happy place, you know, out playing this beautiful sport. And yet you're surrounded by so much negativity. So um, I ended up getting approached by a couple of women that have been with FTSC for years. I hope they don't mind me mentioning their names, but Wendy Chun-Hoon and Melanie Lilliston are phenomenal people who started up the women's um, team that I ended up playing with. And, and they're just incredible. And they just approached me one time and they were like, hey, we've seen you play. Do you want to come in and be our soccer goalie? And I was like, yes, didn't know you guys even existed, but this is so fabulous. Um, and so I'm really thankful to see that the, um, you know, the, the open information that is so much more readily available for, for younger people to connect with and find out about Team DC. Um, you know, I mean, I myself was like reading about it in the blade, right? <laughs> in the actual printed blade, right? So um, it was a little bit harder. And, and for FTSC, it really just created this family of people that were just incredibly welcoming, supportive, great soccer players. They were awesome to join and play with. Um, and just a lot of different people that, you know, inevitably you're going to connect with a good handful of them because um, everybody's just coming with such different backgrounds, experiences, careers, um, and, and what a great family to land with. So they truly just changed for me just um, where I was mentally, um, socially, everything, excellent opportunities and, and uh, you know, getting the opportunity to continue with that. And, and we just started creating more and more women's teams after that. So from about 2003 to 2007, I think we had tripled our, our women's size um, and just kept creating more teams and putting one in Arlington, putting another one in, in Wassel. Um, and then in 2010, we started the Women's Indoor Cup. And, and it was just like there were all these other women who wanted a place to play. They just didn't know where to go. And FTSC created that, um, along with the co-ed, obviously, and the men's teams as well. So for me personally, what a, what a shift in just enjoying the day-to-day -day and, and having that social aspect. And as, as a public, I, I work in public education. Um, I work at a high school. And uh, it when I had first moved here, it was not okay. I mean, people were protesting at school board meetings about how you know, the LGBT community shouldn't be allowed in schools. So um, FTSC was quite the sanctuary, really. Yeah, that's terrific. Um, Craig, do you want to add anything um, from your own personal experience? Yeah, um, sort of picking up on that point, you know, where she, she talked about how FTSC became our sanctuary. Um, I'll go a little bit more recent here when, when the pandemic broke out and suddenly we're all in our apartments, just stuck having to uh, find ways to occupy time, not being able to play soccer. Um, you know, it was still the FTSC uh, friend group that I had made that kept me entertained. Um, for some of my teams, we would continue to do uh, meetups. We would do a Zoom happy hour 
at the time when our game should have been. And then we'd all have our, our little cocktail and we'd all wear our pink jerseys for, for the, the Zoom just to keep a little bit of normalcy. And then, you know, once things opened up just gradually over the coming months and months and months, it was the soccer people, the soccer friends that I had made who were the first ones I saw. Um, you know, I had my small little quarantine and then, you know, we kept adding a couple more people to that. And then we do our pickup, you know, you can still play soccer outside. It's a, it's a contact sport. So it's maybe not the same level of safety as say, you know, tennis, um, but we played soccer tennis. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, we played pickup soccer and it was just nice having that little outlet and that was what, what kept me going through through the whole pandemic. Yeah, I feel that. I uh, same I'm with my rugby team. They're you know they're all my best friends and they are my family and the people that I spent my pandemic surviving with. Um, do you think here we are in 2021? And I knew Colleen made some really good points about kind of years gone by and how things have changed a bit, but here we are in 2021 and let me know why you think it's still important to have LGBTQ plus focused sports clubs. So, I mean, right. I was actually wondering about that a couple of years ago. I'm like, you know what? It's, it's just so different. There's so much accessibility. Um, nobody's reading the blade in print anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, there's, there's a lot more opportunities, clubs, organizations, ways to connect and, then we had another experience in the same soccer league where a player had um, gotten, was added to our roster. And then when she, and, and she was added to our roster from the league. And when she found out that the team was connected with the Federal Triangle Soccer Club, she got all bent out of shape and was like, I don't want to be a part of this agenda. Like, this isn't right. And just, and, and left the team and we were like, you know, started making comments about like, I don't want to be part of this political, you know, it just kind of went on a little rant. And we were like, you know, we're all checking in with each other. Like, did anybody say anything to this woman? Like, did anything at all? And we're like, no, like we don't, you know, she, she just found out that we were with the Federal Triangle Soccer Club and she kind of lost her mind. So, you know, I mean, I thought that that was some pretty good evidence that it, there's still a good reason to have it. Um, uh, you know, I, I am extremely thankful that, you know, in, in the current climate, I'm not hearing the same amount of gay bashing at work that I used to. Um, things have improved to a point, but I mean, we just, you know, you watch politics and, and should it be legal for a company to, to ban gays from service and that's still going on and we're still having to fight that battle and we still have people that are working against us so to to see and and again I, I had mentioned I work at a high school I see some of my students who are struggling with this um, because there's still that pressure from the family as well so whether it's pressure coming from how you were raised where you developed or pressure and and uh, discomfort with where you work or just overall in the climate and what you're hearing and what you're seeing and what we're still having to fight for. I think there's absolutely still reason for groups like Team DC, um, FTSC, 
all of it to still exist without a doubt? Um, on my side, I'd say, you know, there's, there's kind of three elements to this. There's just having a common, just having two common interests, uh, whether it's the sport and your sexuality, it's just something that binds you together in a community. Then there's the visibil the then there's the visibility nature of it. The fact that we're out there, our our our, our first team, our, our men's first division team is called the Rainbow Unicorns. We wear rainbow colored socks and every team in the league knows that the team is gay, gay, gay. Um, and, you know, we sometimes win the league. It's, it's a competitive league with a lot of really good players in it. And it's really validating to see the respect from them. And then three, there is a support group uh, that this club offers that is still needed in 2021. Um, we had one of our players, he uh, played uh, college soccer. I think it was like a, a small D3 school, but he played on their varsity team and it was a Christian school. And unbeknownst to him, there was another gay player on the team. And uh, just recently he, he, you know, could never come to terms with that and died by suicide. The, this, this group is still needed. These, this community still needs to show that uh, we are a healthy uh, club um, and people can be their true authentic selves. Well, I thank both of you for sharing your personal experience. I, um, it all resonates with me and I'm so glad that groups like the Federal Triangles exist today in 2021. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, for answering all of our probing uh, and not so probing questions. Uh, we want to give you an opportunity before we say goodbye to tell everybody who's listening um, where they can find more information about you, your website, your social media handles, whatever else you wanna share. Well, our website is uh, federaltriangles.org. Um, there, if you want to join, the, there's a, a button on there to join. Fill out the new player survey. You'll get contacted um, and you'll start learning uh, when our events are. You'll start getting our emails. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Federal Triangles. We tend to put our uh, events up on there. Um, if you're interested in helping out with the uh, World Championships Tournament. Uh, the website address is www.dcworldxxiv, as in dcworld24.com. Uh, I don't know when this uh, podcast will become uh, available. We're still working on the website. We're hoping to launch by October 1st here. Um, and then if you, uh, want to send us an email, it's myftsc 
at gmail.com. And then uh, you can also hit us up. I'm not sure if Craig mentioned this already, but on Twitter, we've got actually two different Twitter sites uh, at FTSC underscore DC is our uh, general club Twitter site. And then the women's, uh, the indoor cup is at, at FTSC indoor cup. We just kept that one simple. Um, so the two different Twitter sites there at FTSC underscore dot D, uh, underscore DC or at FTSC indoor cup. If one of those can hit us up as well. All right. Well, thank you again so much. We really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Under the Bleachers. Under the Bleachers is proudly produced by and a product of Team DC. For more information about Team DC, please visit www.teamdc.org. We want to give credit to Ralph Elston for the design of our logo. Also, our music is provided by DC's Different Drummers Marching Band and was composed by Travis Gettinger. You can always find Under the Bleachers at underthebleachers.podbean.com and on all major podcast apps, including Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share us with a friend who might enjoy listening. Under the Bleachers is hosted by Team DC board members, Laura Frere and Gabriel Hernandez. All views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and participants of Under the Bleachers and do not express the views of Team DC.